Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub, and all of our advertising revenues will be donated to support this fantastic initiative. It's now based at the Lions Centre on Bolina Road, and it's run by our own Kelly Webster. This is a friendly food bank supporting families in the Bermondsey and SE16 area. If you can help support the Lions Food Hub in any way, please visit at Lions Food Hub on Twitter or get in touch with us at Achtung Millwall. The Lions Food Hub. Come on, you lions. Listeners, welcome to Nick and Neil's Millwall History Hour. It might be nearer to Millwall History 40 Minutes, but we don't get hung up on, on, on um, these terms, Neil, do we? How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate, not too bad. Yeah, no, they're only semantics, aren't they? Mere semantics, mere semantics, and we don't get stuck on that. Um, we've got a very special guest coming up on, on the show, Neil. I, I really enjoyed this conversation with, with JC Green, Roy's daughter. I think, as we said, uh, yeah, we want to bring a little bit of history. And uh, so we've spoken to Roy Green's daughter, JC, and everybody knows Roy Green cause, because we hear him at every single home game. We do, we do. It's a um, fantastic conversation. So we're just going to take a, a, a quick break away now. We're going to speak to the daughter of Roy Green, writer, composer of the club anthem, Let Them Come. Let's have a quick let that run now, and we'll come back after the break. It's a huge welcome to somebody whose father lives large in, in Mill history. Um, Neil, I, I was actually thinking, as I was trying to think of ways to introduce uh, JC, and I, I was trying to think of the musicians in my life that I've heard the most. And you're kind of going into, as a Millwall fan now I'm speaking, obviously you're going into the kind of Lennon-McCartney zone, you're going into the, um, the, the major names of, of music. And then, because I've been to been a Millwall fan for 50 odd years now, you've got Roy Green. Because every time we, we, we go to football, we listen to Let Them Come. It's, um, it's quite amazing Neil, isn't it? Mate, it's unbelievable. There's this guy who, who's in our life every single home game we've been in our life for every single home game for many many years absolutely uh, he's just this guy called Roy Green and yeah before I came home I yeah well over to Axon Millwall I was just wondering one day who is Roy Green and, yeah well, and historian and yeah. being keen on history I just thought we've got to find out who Roy Green is <laughs> you, you google him and I There's discovered that lot. he was a Birmingham musician and apart <laughs> from that there's nothing else but but this is a guy who you're quite right we listen to week in and week out and it's an anthem isn't it he's absolutely written, absolutely he's actually written our anthem I, yeah I know we sing no one likes us we don't care but, <laughs> yeah but let them come is that's the song um, it's 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 how we identify 
to the afternoon, isn't it? On yeah, cold absolutely. So the question is, who is Roy Green? We have the ideal person to tell us who Roy Green was. He sadly passed away now, but we have JC Green, Roy's daughter. Welcome, JC. It's a pleasure to talk to you again, my darling. Thank you. Nice um, to see you, both. Yeah. Well, we, we, just to explain to listeners, I I was trying to um, put together an interview with JC on when we used to do the Love Sport radio show, and um, it just never worked out. JC was on holiday when I managed to speak to her, and that, that wasn't going to happen. And it just we just never got it together, JC. So it's wonderful now to be able to finally see you, and and um, I hope, as Neil said, learn a little bit more about the man who wrote the song that pretty much defines Millwall. I mean, first up, I mean, probably just to start us off, your dad was born in London. You, um, what, what, was he, what was his initial kind of career? I mean, was, I understand him to be an entertainer. How would you describe your dad's career? Yeah, he was an entertainer all his life. I think he had one job when he was around about 20. Right. Um, and it lasted a couple of days and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a singer, comedian, played multiple instruments. And your dad was born in London. He was a Londoner by by birth. Yeah, although he was obviously, born, clearly, um, Bermondsey. That's where he was born. Bermondsey boy, and then obviously he moved yeah. to the Midlands, and we can hear the the uh, the, the Midlands in your in your voice. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he entertained. I mean, this would have been working clubs and pubs, I guess. In in those, this would have been in the nineteen sixties, I imagine. Yeah, early early doors. Um, he was with big bands. Right. He travelled all over the, the country with um, big bands. He played double bass and um, Liverpool, Manchester, um, Ireland, uh, Balfour, right. where he met my mum, and, um, uh, and travelled all over the place. Settled in Birmingham in 1964, right. just before I was born. So this would have been, you know, a, a travelling musician, entertainer, working pubs and clubs. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, he wrote, obviously, uh, Let Him Come. I mean, the, for the best of my uh, research, it, the Let Him Come seems to have kind of come around at the, in the late 60s. I mean, was that, was that, was he, was he writing songs for, for clubs? Uh, yeah, it was always football songs. He wrote, I think, his first one for Aston Villa. Right. Um, because he used to work at the Lions Club. He'd do um, a Saturday afternoon and a Tuesday evening, and he wrote a song for them. And then he wrote a song for Wolverhampton. Right. And then he thought, Do you know what? If I wrote all these songs, I'm going to write for Millwall. And I, I think it was 1963 that he wrote the um, he? he wrote the song, and it was recorded um, in an Indian restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's mad. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. You yeah. didn't tell me that before. <laughs> Yeah, it was recorded and, and you know, put out in an, an Indian restaurant. Fantastic. And he, used, he used to do pre-match entertainment for Birmingham City. Right. He would go and sing his songs and he would always sing Let Them Come in the ground at Birmingham City. He was the only <laughs> one that would ever do that, you know. He didn't care. He loved them all, you know what I mean? <laughs> I bet that went down a storm in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can really imagine. So who... who, who would... a fan, JC? Oh, the biggest Millwall fan you ever did, you know. He absolutely, he hated Aston Villa. He really, really hated them. And yet he wrote the first song, but, you know, he said money's money, isn't it? So um, <laughs> he, he, I think as, as far as I can remember, when he was a small boy, um, people used to say, oh, you don't go to Cold Globe Lane. You don't go, to, it's really rough there. And you say that to a small boy, he was there all the time. You have to, you know, try and climb over the gates, he said. And, you know, he, he absolutely loved them. Really did. Do you know what people used to say that to me as well, JC? I think I think with that, that's a, probably a story that every Millwall fan's had at some point. I'm just looking at a photo. Yeah. I, I think um, I don't know if, where, where it came from. I don't know if you sent it to me. It looks like a wedding photo um, of Roy, um, a big a big man. I mean, it looks like a, a yeah. beard, bearded, burly man. I suppose yeah. I'd describe him as. Yeah. But you can see yeah. he, he was a character. I mean, would you would how would you describe him as as, as, a, as a daughter? I mean, he looks like a character just looking at this. Oh, this definitely. Photo. He was Marmite. You either loved him or you hated him because he <laughs> had his own opinion, and it don't matter what your opinion was; it was his that mattered. So do you know what I mean. <laughs> he was, as I say, he towards his later life, he done a lot of comedy. 
that he right. thought was funny on but <laughs> <laughs> Is it true he appeared on Opportunity Knox um, as a Henry VIII? New faces, new faces. Yeah, right. yeah. Which, and just to explain to younger listeners, new faces was kind of like a, a kind of Britain's Got Talent, I suppose, of yeah, its, its day, wasn't it? Um, yeah. How did he get on? Did he, did he, did he, did he have any success on on the show? No, he came last. He came because last. he, he did. He came last. He, he, um, oh, he did dear. a comedy routine and ended up singing. Um, what was it? Love. This is my song, um, and. <laughs> It was. He didn't really want to do comedy because, although he enjoyed it, he knew his voice was his, his main thing. Right. Um, he. I actually quite recently got a, a copy of um, New Faces when he was on it. Somebody sent me a. Oh really? A I've video. For, yeah, a video. I've been looking for it for years and years and years. Right. And then it was quite interesting. Quite yeah. Interesting. I'd, I'd so. love to see that sometime. That. I, I mean, as, as as we said at the start, it's it, it's a strange thing. Um, you know, I, 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 don't, I suppose it depends how you define success. But I mean, Roy's Roy's song "Let Them Come, Let Them Come" lives on. I mean, it, it, each week, yeah. uh, each fortnight, um, it's played. It's sung when fans go you know go away and at home. Um, yeah. It's it's quite a strange thought, isn't it? That your dad's work lives on you know it's 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 um did an up-to-date version i think 1978 but they still reverted back to the old version which they still use as far as i'm aware they tried to um i mean neil you i don't know if you remember this they 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 changed there was an older song that they used to use called shoeshine boy and i remember in the 80s i think it might have been the the centenary season they they actually dropped let them come for for one season and went with Mm -hmm. Shoeshine Boy, but I think by by public acclaim it came back, and and I think as JC said, they tried to redo it a couple of times, but the, yeah. it's the Roy Green version that is the is the only version that will 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 wash, you know. Yeah, can you just imagine the Daily Mail and that having yeah, they're that Shoeshine yeah. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually hadn't thought of it from that angle, but I think it was quite a nice song. But anyway, <laughs> not as good as Roy's "Let Them Come." That's that's for sure. Yeah, um, well- yeah, no, it's the Millwall anthem, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's an iconic song, and I must admit, I have heard other versions of it, but it isn't a patch on Roy's original because it's got that, yeah, it's got that big band sound, doesn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. I think JC said that he made, yeah, that he was a big band musician. But would that have been session musicians that um, Roy used there, or would it have been a band that he would have worked with? It was, it was his own band. There was only three of them there was um himself on bass right. and there was keith Aitchison on piano and les hobbs on drums who um i've just recently got in contact with again les hobbs the drummer so it would actually be les hobbs playing the drums i guess at the start of it because you've That's got right, yeah. throw, haven't you right yeah mm-hmm and there was a B side. I'm, I'm just reading the notes that I took from from when we spoke before. A yeah. B side called "The Ballad of Harry Cripps." I mean, was that was that another one of Roy's numbers, or was that was that a separate separate? Song? I think that's separate because the the B side. I've I've got the actual original single somewhere. I don't know where it is. I don't think it was. I think on the the original the the Villa song is on the B side of the the Millwall song. Right, right. That right. was the original, and then as I say, 1978. There was um it was redone and he wrote another song for Millwall. Um I think it was called No One Likes Us or something like that. Um, right, right. That, that was in nineteen seventy-eight, but they still, as I say, use the original song. Yeah. I mean, he passed away a few years ago, I understand. When when, when did when did he, he pass on? Yeah, nineteen let me remember, nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. Quite mm-hmm. a while ago now. Um yeah. Do you display any musical talent at all, JC? Have you? Can I you sing? Up until up until he he died, and then right. I carried him for about a year, yeah, and then kind of had enough then. So, because I was I was at school and going up and down the country with him to all different venues, social clubs, as you say, pubs, and yeah, as a child. So I don't play any instruments. He played lots, but I sang. I sang with him. It sounds like quite a hard life. I mean, you know, in the sense of traveling and probably you're playing to audiences that aren't always appreciative, um, 
quite tough. He must have been a tough character, your dad. He was, yeah, yeah. I mean, up until the 80s, where, I mean, there was a lot of cabaret clubs that um, you used to go and people wanted to be entertained. And then kind of after the 80s, it was pubs and people not so much really wanted to listen. I mean, he, he was, uh, you know, he didn't ever um, die. As they say, he he. No, he doesn't. No. Yeah, if he was doing comedy and that wasn't going well, then he'd revert to his voice and right. You know, he had a fantastic voice. I mean, you don't really hear the quality of his voice in that song. He, people, um, said he sounded like someone called Burlives. I don't know whether you. Yeah, no, I've heard Burlives. Yeah, country uh, singer. Yeah. 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 So he he had a strong strong voice. So to say, if the com- comedy wasn't going, he'd just sing. So. Was there a dispute about the copyright ownership of the song with the club? I mean, I, I don't know. If, I don't know enough about it to, to even ask a question. But I, I heard yeah, it. No. The, I the, have the copyright. You um, hold copyright. Okay. I hold copyright. Yeah. Right. Um, I still get royalties, not an awful lot, but <laughs> every year I get a few bob in, in the account. Okay. Um, Cherry Red Records use a lot it's it's been on different cds on ringtones and things like that so i i he had the copyright yeah and then when he passed on it passed on to yourself that's right yeah Mm -hmm. that's fantastic i like that for sale in the club shop i think yeah but they're giving you a cut of that (laughs) yeah it sounds like they are i mean they're not an awful lot i can't retire let me tell you you're not in the caribbean islands yet yeah. jc that's that's for sure i mean what about his other songs i mean you know you said he wrote the villa one and the wolves one i mean did they did they take off with any success or i mean was it was millwall the one that really made it for him yeah was it in millwall that the um the, the other ones that he wrote, um, I mean, if I remember right, he wrote one for Steve Bull as well, who used to play for... Yeah, the Wolves, yeah. Wolves. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Nothing ever came of, of anything like that, apart from it was on some football CDs. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Were. The Villa one was, and I think that the, the... Yeah, the Wolf one as well, but Majorities is the, the Let and Come one that was on a lot of... Um, compilation football songs. Yeah, so. and that, that that's hence the copyright. That that's that's yeah. The, yeah that's mm-hmm. where the uh, the the thing works. Yeah, I think uh, he's in touch with Millwall fans for quite a long time. JC didn't he? I know that Merv Pang, Yabla Millwall author, tried to find him when we played Birmingham or Aston yeah. for one year, and I think he was also in touch with the guys that did the line. The yeah, fanzine. Uh, fanzine. Yeah, yeah. Did. when he died, they did a tribute to him. So, um, you know, uh, and Millwall sent a, a lovely uh, football wreath when he died as well. So, and you'd see a lot of the fans when they used to play West Brom because um, my ex-partner was a West Brom fan, so he'd go with him right. to the match. Obviously, always with the away fans. <laughs> he'd always stay in Millwall. <laughs> he wouldn't go into nowhere else. You know, I don't blame him for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful um it, it's it, it's a pleasure to talk to you again jc I, and to give a little bit more um light into the life of roy and and this fantastic song that he wrote that is as we've said a few times is sung so often and has become part of our lives and yet for many many people yeah. that there'll be no real pre pre-knowledge of of, of roy and, and, and at all Neil, did you have any more questions for JC? No, I just wanted to thank her really for the well, for the very small part that her dad has played in all of our lives. I'm just smiling, just thinking of the lyrics and uh, yeah, um, mean, because you because you're at the game, you're all hyped up, and then that familiar tune. Oh, I could. See, it's 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 odd because you can you can recite the lyrics like the lord's prayer you know it, it, you just you just you just know it you know it's, it's, there's no there's no room not to know it is there <laughs> yeah but i don't know the lord's prayer <laughs> mind you i was saying that. i think i'll probably forget half of it now but anyway <laughs> bits of it but i won't forget roy green's let them come and actually yeah i think i want to i want to join um neil jc and say i mean roy has sadly passed on now but 
um, to say thank you to you on, on, on behalf of all Millwall fans because um, it is part of the, the club, it's part of the of following Millwall and it will remain so as long as there's a Millwall, I'm sure that that, that song will remain played and that's that's quite a tribute to Roy, I think. I hope it, I hope it would have, um, you know, brought him some 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 pleasure to know that. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. He, as I say, he was Millwall through and through. He absolutely loved them. So, I know he would be happy that it's still played now. So, that's fantastic, um, JC. It's lovely to meet you again, or to talk to you again, to meet you via you Zoom, too. and. Um, well, well, we'll keep in touch, no doubt, over time. So, a big yeah. thank you to um, JC from Neil and myself. And I think there's only one way to play out this interview, and that's with Let Them Come, isn't it? So, we'll, we'll fade now to, to Let Them Come. <laughs> big thank you, JC. It's lovely to talk to you again, my darling. Lovely. Thanks a lot. Bye. Take care. All the best. It's the best team in London, no, the best team of both. Everybody knows us, we're called Millwall. What a fantastic conversation. Well, that's, I'm hoping that's um, shone a light into Roy's life for a lot of people. Mate, I've got a huge, huge smile on my face. <laughs> here. And, uh, it, mate, it is to learn just a little bit more about this mystery figure. Absolutely. I mean, JC's a character, and it sounds like she's her father's daughter. Um, Roy sounds like a character, too. A typical Millwall character in many respects, and writer of the anthem that um, I, I, I can't imagine it will ever not be played as long as there's a Millwall football club. I can't imagine what else they're going to play when they come out. Um, I mean, some some what I like about Let Them Come, though, is... You know, when you watch TV or you, you you go to away games, a lot of clubs use kind of um, clubby type beat music. I don't know. Um, you know let, let me entertain you. Um, Waltz and things like that. And also, uh, Crystal Palace one, Glad All Over. I mean, it's, it's all... Sad you know, All Over. Sad All Over. I mean, you know, and, and I will take my hat off briefly to Cholton. At least I have a unique song. Um, and so do we. I mean, there's... I think there's there's a place in football for um, identity, and and that 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 song that let them come uh, by Roy Green is very much bound with Millwall identity, isn't it? Yeah, it just I think as you were saying, uh, let me entertain you. I think there's a Prokofiev song that uh, or, yeah. or, or, the, or the the Led Zeppelin one, the uh, Cashmere. Yeah, it, um, it's all generic crap, isn't it? It's it's eroding football's individual identity. Every club used to have an individual identity. Absolutely. And you give that about the Nigels, at least they've kind of got one. Kind of, yeah. And um, the spotters down the road, the red. Yeah. Red, I mean, that, that's that's their identity. Yeah. That's an old, an old kind of thirty swing band number. You know that, that. So you know you can you can laugh at them, of course. I'm not saying don't laugh at Charlton, but. You know, at least they've got something that is not um, some some kind of um, you know some some um, as you say generic club beat number. So your um, Orient have got one with Ted Joanna Taxi, haven't they? The Herb Albert. That's right. Now that's good. <laughs> it's probably after Millwall. That is probably my favourite. <laughs> I was actually uh, brought up on Tijuana Taxi by Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, so you know I, I can't oh, knock the Orient. It's just absolutely dead, dead, dead. <laughs> Mexican Mexican light music, but there we are. Now then, Neil, we have um, a League Cup or Carabao Cup, I suppose I should give it its sponsored competition name. A, a, a fixture against Cambridge United um, next week. 25th. This show will go out ahead of the Caribou Cup um, fixture, and I thought it might be nice just to have a quick look at some of the fixtures from the past um, relating to Cambridge. I mean, you, you've actually produced the. This is this is from 1991, the one that you found here, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is, and it and it's quite an interesting game. I think people will be going, "Oh, why have you picked a game in 1991?" 7th of September 91. Um looks like we've we've lost 2-1 there. What what's what's the significance of that one? 
the significance of that is the person that scored Cambridge United's second goal and winning goal. Scored so we have goal. We have on a f- debut, no his, less on his debut. Um, we have a Paul Kerr, good player, Paul Kerr, actually. Um, I used to like Paul Kerr for a fourth minute penalty. Um, this would have been played in division, second division. I don't know if it was still called division two then or if it was. If the no, it wouldn't the reorganisation wouldn't have happened at that point. It would have been the second division, I guess. 1991-92 season. So Paul Kerr put Millwall ahead. Um, this would be played at um, at the Abbey Stadium then, Neil, wouldn't it? The an away game. Uh, no, I think it was actually a game at the Den, mate. At the Den, was it? Oh, mate, Cobbler Lane. I uh, would have been there for this one. Can't remember it. Mike Cheatham equalised on 33. Yeah. And then there's the magic name on 74. Do you, want to, do you want to do the unveil? Who won it for Cambridge? It was Gary Rowett. Gary <laughs> I don't remember this game. I would have been there for, for it, but um, can't remember it. Mate, it was a game at the start of the season. I think it was under Bruce Rioch. Yeah. And we'd had a... Re- it, yeah, it was actually Bruce Rioch's last season in charge. I think, he, I think he got sacked towards the end of that season, didn't he? After a 6-1 defeat at Portsmouth. That's right. Well, he was a difficult character, Bruce Rioch. He was a strange character because I always felt he had a a fantastic eye for talent. He was a great bringer in of players that did wonderful jobs that were kind of unknown, um, you know, unknown characters. And, but most unpopular man with the, um, with the players. Yeah. I think he was, uh, Christ, how do you yeah, but I would describe him now. He was a sergeant major type, wasn't he? It was either his way or the highway. Yeah, shirt and collar and tie man, apparently. Um yeah. I, I think he indoors, I think he, he didn't have much time for, for Rick. I think that I think a lot of players fell out with, with him and um I think it was that sergeant major approach. Um and this was our fourth defeat in the first five games of the season, so you could see that the players weren't playing for him. But there's there's I mean, just looking at the notes that you've sent me here, um Bruce Rick, fourth defeat in five games, you're 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 correct. But look at the talent that we signed that summer, Chris Armstrong. I mean, what a what a player, what a talent to brought brought out of nowhere, seemingly. That was after he'd actually ran riot against us, I think, in a preseason friendly for Wrexham. Wrexham. That's right. Him on as a sub, and I think that Rioch signed him off the back of that. And it was actually quite a rare start for him. I think I think the vast majority of Chris Armstrong's games came off the bench, didn't they? Yeah, he was very very fast. Um, he, I suppose, you. Were, I'm just trying to think of a modern day equivalent. I mean, Thierry Henry. I mean, that's probably putting him into a higher category than perhaps Armstrong. Maybe Merrivale. He was a very good player, nevertheless. But he was that kind of striker. He wasn't your physical, big, traditional Millwall centre forward. He was a quick, fast-thinking, um, speedy merchant, wasn't he? Yeah, no, but he had the traditional type of Millwall striker alongside him. <laughs> yes, he does. I'm just looking at the team team lineup. Yeah, Mark Falco. Mark Falco was your traditional Millwall. <laughs> well, that must be a collector's item. Mark Falco in a Millwall shirt. Well, you know, <laughs> until then. I'd actually forgotten that Mark, Mark Falco had actually played for us. Yeah, briefly he did. He was, did, he, did he make his name with, was it Spurs back in? Yeah, was Tottenham. It? He was Tottenham. Boy, wasn't he? And, uh... he? He played briefly for us. He didn't play many, I don't think. I haven't got the numbers to hand. So, um, you know, feel free to email your complaints about lack of detail on this, listeners. I, I didn't do much, an awful lot of prep and I'm very much blagging my way using Neil's notes and my, my fading memory. But... Yeah, I think he, I think he'd had quite a good career with them. He, he was an injury-prone striker, I think. QPR, he had a QPR. Yeah, yeah, no, he had a, yeah, no, he had a good spell at QPR, I think, and uh, yeah. So Cambridge two, uh, well, Millwall one, Cambridge two, September nineteen ninety. I just want to run through this side. I mentioned Aidan Davidson on on Twitter the other day as um, a player of the season. One of the there's a collection of goalkeepers, including Jordan Archer, listeners who have won player of the season, and Aidan Davison is, is probably one of the lesser-remembered goalkeepers. Yeah, he was player of the season, I think it was 91-92, because he would move on with, with Rioch, I think. Didn't Rioch go to Bolton after Arsenal? Yeah, I think he did, I think. And and I think he he he, he, he certainly re-signed a couple of players from us, didn't he? I think Aidan Davidson was one. Apparently a bit, bit of a strange character. Was he? He always looked a bit odd in the photos, but I, I, that, that, that's my—I'll be criticised by 
various partners over time for judging people on their looks. And I've always think it's quite a good gut instinct, but you know. I think it was Casey Keller once told me that, <laughs> that it was house sharing, I think, with Aidan Davidson. Was he? House sharing with him. <laughs> and they came home one day and they wanted a shower and they found that Aidan Davidson had dismantled a motorbike and put it in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the content you want, listeners. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. He's actually listening to this and he wants to correct that story. <laughs> do do get in touch. We'd love to have, have you on, Casey. You know. I'm gonna run through the lineup. Aiden Davidson we've mentioned in goal. Steve Wood, what a defender, classic defender from the promotion season and brilliant, brilliant defender. Now actually a top football agent. Is he? Is that yep. what he does these days? Um, yep. I, I really like Steve Wood. He was a he had an elegance about him and yet he was he was strong as well. Um but on that on that note, I mean alongside him, one, two, three, number three, Colin Cooper. What a player, Neil. Oh, that man was a Rolls Royce of a fullback, wasn't he? Came from Middlesbrough. Um, I think we signed him from Middlesbrough, if memory serves. Or we went, no, Forrest. He came from Forrest, didn't he? Guy at Coops. Or did we sell him to Forrest? I can't remember. God that. knows. All I know is he was brilliant. and Superb player. And he was actually a very nice guy. Because back in back in the day when I used to cover games for the Daily Mirror, yeah, and I, um, Millwall was primarily the club that I covered. And uh, he was one of those players that, you could speak to after a game and he always had time to stop and talk to you. Yeah. Along with Rhino, people like that, and and Jamie Morley, right, Alex yeah. Ray, people that if you said, Oh, can I have your numbers? Yeah. Because because that's how you did things back then. Yeah. Would you phone players? They gave you the home phone number. <laughs> Different era, isn't it? <laughs> and away you went. You can just imagine asking Ryan Leonard or somebody now who can have your phone number. <laughs> Get absolutely chinned by Billy and someone else. Yeah, you wouldn't get past the, uh, the, uh, the the PR level, would you? Another good player. Um, Coops, we've touched. I'm very well thought of Colin Cooper to this day, in all honesty. Um, his reputation continues. Ian Bogey. I liked Ian Bogey. I, I, he was one of those players, never made a huge mark, but um, uh, he was a ball-playing midfielder, wasn't he, Bogey? Yeah, he was a fantastic passer of a ball, wasn't he? Beautiful. Ian Bogey, he was a he. he you, you look at this team and you're wondering so far why are we bloody struggling because the first four players that we've read, well, out, we've, we've oozed over, haven't we? Um, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the just to go back to Bogey for a moment, there was, that was my favorite witty one line I ever heard on the halfway line when uh, Bogey being a ball playing midfielder, listeners, obviously. Millwall fans don't always take to them. They 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 like the more robust. Um, if unless you look and sound and feel like Terry Herlock, you're probably not going to be as loved as you should be. Maybe at other clubs, but Bogey was a ball playing midfielder, and he was drawing some some comment from the halfway line. And I, I just always I, this this line stuck in my 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 head about um, oh Bogey, you're getting up my nose. Um, that made me laugh, and it continues to make me laugh to this day, Neil. <laughs> Still, <laughs> that is absolutely a typical Millwall comment. Isn't <laughs> if you it? get up my nose, Bogey. <laughs> uh, Dave Thompson. Now, they're, 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 perhaps just to answer your point there, Neil. I mean, Dave Thompson, um, very willing defender. That might be the answer to some of the issues because he was a. There was a mistake in Dave in every game, and there was a lot of effort and willingness to to go to give everything, but. He could be fragile, couldn't he? Well, we're going to talk about a, mis- a Dave Thompson mistake in our next. Well, there we are. Actually, <laughs> believe so, it. I don't know if you've looked that far down. No, I haven't gone that far down. We'll come back to Dave in that case. The the substitute there's Kenny Cunningham. I've just, just been oozing about some some defenders, Neil. I mean, there's another player to ooze over. Okay, I, I used to love Kenny Cunningham. Mate, legendary, wasn't he? He was. He was a. F- yeah, well, I know we're saying, oh, fantastic player, but he absolutely was. You could see quite early on that he was destined yeah, yeah. for better things, shall we say. And that's not to put ourselves down, but Kenny Cunningham, what a fantastic footballer. He moved on to Wimbledon, I think, with uh, John Goodman when and the club was in um, tough times, financial tough times, and we had to, to sell our best and brightest. And, and Kenny moved on there in the Premier League and we weren't. Um, spent a long time at Wimbledon as well. Yeah, he's one of those. Um, he reminded. I mean, 
in a different way. Um, you know, Sean Williams being that is a kind of a loyalty, and I think Kenny had a similar kind of loyalty to the clubs that he he felt like he you know he was part of them, both us and at Wimbledon. I'd say in Kenny's case, yeah. Um, McCleary, Alan McCleary will go on, will be part of the successful sides of the late 80s and would go on to manage the club and probably um, sow the seeds for Mark McGee's eventual success alongside Rhino as, as joint managers. Paul Kerr, we've, we've mentioned already, um, but there's a player I hadn't thought of, John Calhoun, in a long time, Neil, and seeing him on your, your team sheet here, John Calhoun. I like John Calhoun. He was a good, skillful striker. And again, same point that you've made a few times. You know, how did this team not have greater success? Because he was a good player. Yeah, he was part of that little group that came from Scotland around about the same time, wasn't he? Yeah. Very, very well thought of at Hearts. Was it Hearts he played? Hart the Midlovian. Um, just trying to describe his style, I suppose. He was, he was kind of like a wing, a, a forward-thinking midfielder attacking wide midfielder, I suppose you'd call him. Very fast, very intelligent player he seemed to me to be on the ball, watching from the lower part of the halfway line. Probably uh, actually the kind of player that we could do with now, actually. We could. There's a few of this team that we could do with right now. <laughs> We've right. mentioned Mark Falco. We could probably drop him out. I mean, Matt Smith would be a similar, what I think Smith's um, hit rate for us is a lot better than Mark Falco's. Um, Chris Armstrong, we've mentioned, we could certainly do with Chris Armstrong in the side uh, coming in. And then a player that inspired, I mean, you know, there's this Marmite expression, isn't there? Phil Barber, um, you either loved him or you hated him. I, I didn't mind Phil Barber, but many, many didn't like him, Neil, did they? I think it was probably because of his his Palace connections. Palace connections. Possibly where he was part of their squad that, uh, that, that got to the FA Cup final, wasn't he? And, That's uh, right. Paul yeah, Stevenson well, replaced him in this game. There's a good player, Paul Stevenson. Oh, Paul Stevenson, another Goody. magnificent player. And yeah, we look at that side, and you quite wonder. Yeah, well, I know we were on our downers then, weren't we? There I think it was. Um... And, but we were producing, and we were bringing through decent players, and. Long time ago now, but I think the uh, it's hard to underestimate the the depression of having Bruce Rioch as your manager, and I think that this team with a different manager could and should have bounced straight back into Division One. They were good enough, weren't they? I mean, the the, the football was that we were playing was also a passing style. It, you know, I, I know there's 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 a theory in the mill that um, you know we. I don't know, the, the, you know, you need a long ball style to get it up to someone like a Steve Morrison or a the Falco or a Matt Smith or somebody. But that was a passing style of, of, of football that Rioch instituted there. Yeah, well, to be honest, he had a lot of success as a manager, didn't he? When he went up he the Bolton Wanderers and he had and he took them to League Cup finals and got them promoted to the f- first division did you join Arsenal before us or after us? I can't remember the Bruce Rioch story. Would it have been after he left us that he went to Arsenal? Yeah, yeah, no, because he actually, because he got sacked and Arsene Wenger came in, didn't he, to Arsenal? So that, I think it was, I think it was Bolton that made him as a manager. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we we probably shredded his nerves somewhat. I think that. Um, his lack of popularity that then did for him in the end, and I think that that that's a that was a good side that we just described there, and that I think in truth that should have done that was a side that should have done a lot better. Achtung, Mailball. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Um, so I'm just moving on now to the second fixture that you've chosen here, Neil, which was a one-all draw played on the 30th of January, 1990. FA Cup game, was this be? Yeah, FA Cup game. I think we'd drawn on the Saturday. Yeah, because I was at that game. Yeah, we, that was a that was a that was a draw. Um and then we lost the replay, didn't we? we get beat at... Yeah, Tony Cascarino puts a head in the first game and then yeah. John Taylor, who I think we mentioned as the player that came off for Gary Rowett a few years later, or a year or so. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. Um, but but to be honest, it's difficult finding games between Millwall and Cambridge because we've only played them about 16 times and uh, we haven't played them since like January 2003, which is absolutely no. ridiculous, which was also an FA Cup. So I, I don't know if you remember that. We went up there and snowy January, was it? And uh, all Vaguely. I'm, I'm getting to the stage where I can remember 35 years ago, but not last week, Neil. I think that's that's that's, that's where I'm headed, listeners. So, you know, choose, choose your podcasts accordingly. Um, I'm just looking at the um, the replay. I mean, I, I remember us getting beat at Cambridge, um, and I'm just seeing on your notes a, a, a Dave Thompson own goal. <laughs> I do remember this now. I was listening to it on the radio. Um, this was in the – there was no I follow back then, listeners, nor any – uh, even in, in illegal, illicit streams, this was you had to listen to the radio if you couldn't go, and I couldn't get up there. Um, and what I, all I remember was kicking the. Um, I think I kicked the settee. I think I put my foot in. I think I busted it with, with a loud swear word when this <laughs> when this, this was announced. One hundred and sixteen minutes, four minutes short of of um, extra time. Uh, I think everybody had consigned themselves to this game. <laughs> going to go to penalties. <laughs> I think that Cambridge, I think Cambridge was doing quite well at the time in the fourth division. They um, had, was that when in the John Beck era there, Neil? Would that have been at that point? Yes. Yeah, no, it was. And Dion Dublin, I think, played. Dion Dublin. And also, as, as we've said already, um, Gary Rowett later. John Beck, just to, for those that don't know, um, he was, um, he kind of took... Took the Wimbledon style, Neil, and 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 kind of maxed it, didn't he? He went he went further than the, the crazy gang ever did with with. Um... Oh mate, he was he, yeah, well, he was Wimbledon on steroids. This guy didn't he throw buckets of water over his players to liven them up before the game and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and in training, and he turned the heating off in the changing <laughs> in the changing room in the middle of winter, uh, <laughs> and and there'd be no hot water. The <laughs> they provided to warm up with they were deflated <laughs> I, I have heard an interview with Gary Rowett when when he first came to Millwall he did a Sky TV interview it was very good I'm sure it's still online somewhere it was about an hour and a half long so it's, it's, it's an in-depth one with Sky's um, he was doing pundit work and he must have done this as part of the, the deal but he did describe his experiences as a as a youth player youngster playing with John Beck and they contrasted it with what you can get away with now with, um, you know, it's very much the, the cuddle and the and the arm around the shoulder approach now rather than having a bucket of water thrown over and told to do 30 press-ups or something, you know. Mate, John Beck, he was a tremendous guy whenever you spoke to him, but he was complete and lunatic. Fruitcake. <laughs> absolute lunatic. And he just had this way of... Of playing, it was long ball. <laughs> it was relentless long ball. It was it was Wimbledon stripped of the beautiful game, wasn't it? I mean, it was. It, I, I remember the. I do remember seeing um, Cambridge at the Den, and it was just pumped into the box. I mean, we were, we were a footballing side by comparison, but it was just a relentless barrage, a battery. Mate, uh, if yeah, well, if the younger listeners want to uh, want to relate to this. Uh, John Beck made 
the crazy gang look like <laughs> Pep Guardiola. <laughs> a, vicar's, a vicar's Sunday afternoon <laughs> cucumber sandwich party. Yeah. yeah um, Guardiola in charge, mate. They were they were a horrible team to watch and probably an even worse team to play against. And this was a cold Tuesday, Wednesday oh, night. Man. Yeah. And the reason I've chosen this game is not because it was a cold Tuesday or Wednesday night. It's right. because it features in a book by Bill Burford, an American journalist, strike, okay. uh, stroke author. Right. In 1990, uh, tried to explain football hooliganism right. and uh, wrote a book called Among the Thugs. I've heard of it. I've not read it. Is it, is it a good read now? Mate, it's... I reread this chapter the other day when mm-hmm. when I and he stood in with Cambridge fans and somebody pissed on his foot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never had that happen to me, but you know, obviously it's clearly a thing that could happen on the terraces. And how he had this nodding acquaintance with a guy <laughs> parked his car near his and the oddball <laughs> characters that were around it. I don't think he actually had the bottle to go in the mill. <laughs> then he would have met some characters there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Among the Thugs by Bill Burford. <laughs> and, uh, but it it's not one of these are oh, we chinned who? He, he, he got to know firms. Right. West Ham features heavily in it. I think Tottenham does as well from memory. Yeah. So he went abroad and he wrote this series of chapters about, and one of them happens to be about Millwall. But right. it, it, it's, if you're looking for something to read, expecting, yeah, we chinned them and all of that lot, it's completely different. I don't actually think that Millwall really got a mention at all. It was more about this game sitting <laughs> on his foot or something like that. It's... Well, if it's sociology, we're not interested. We just want books about chinning people and doing them. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It's more about sociology <laughs> in this chapter than, was, than I can ever remember it. Oh, we'll stuff that then. We're not we're not going to reading that. I just want to run through the 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 lineup. I mean, we should have done this the other way around. I apologise, listen. This is a nineteen ninety fixture. Um, yeah, this okay. is my fault. No, no. <laughs> It's it's my fault, me a culpa. Keith Brannigan in goal. There was a great goalkeeper, Keith Brannigan. Another another lesser known goalkeeper, Neil. Yeah, there's somebody who Bolton connection. I think he's a school teacher in Bolton, Bolton School. Is he? Is he? Was he? Exactly. He wasn't player of the season. I don't know. He wasn't on my list, but he was a very very good goalkeeper. Um, stepped into the shoes of Brian Hall. I think got injured. I think, and then kind of that was his his career um, faded away somewhat. We've mentioned Dave Thompson. Um, Ian Dawes, I did a fantastic, it was a wonderful interview to speak to Dawes, a player I always admired, a very cultured defender. I, I find the um, the link to the interview that I did with him a while when during lockdown, I think I spoke to Dawes. He was painting the outside of his house when I tried, he, he didn't have a mobile. Um, Zoom, forget about it. So I managed to rig up Skype to call him on his landline. It was his mum and dad's place, I think. And it was, it was, it was not an easy interview to, to get, but when I did get him, it was well worth it. He's a lovely bloke. You're a typical old school. He hasn't got a mobile. I've got a mobile. And I mean, as for getting onto Zoom or something like that, you, you had no chance. I, I managed to do it. I, I don't know if listeners know the lengths to which I will go to nail an interview. Um, anyway, Darren Tracy. I'd forgotten him, Neil. Darren Tracy. Darren Tracy. Yeah, he was a... Chon player? Was he Was he Chon? No, he came through the ranks with us. Did he? Did he? Yeah, he was... He was a complex character. I can tell you one or two, I'll tell you one or two stories off air. To... Okay, well, that's that's it. If that don't intrigue the listeners, then nothing. I think if one or two. People... <laughs> no, we, no, we don't want to strain the law laws of England on that. I think he actually ended up going to Bradford or somewhere for quite a lot of money, and then came and then I think he retired early. Right. He wasn't. He he had a few problems in his life. He fell into bad ways. Let's just leave it leave it there. Uh, and uh, but I believe he's okay. I think he ended up going to university and studying psychology or something like that. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. Um, if he's turned it around, good luck to him. 
Steve Wood we've mentioned, Alan McCleary we've mentioned, both stalwarts of the uh, the classic 1988 side. Jimmy Carter, very well known. He still works at the club now to this this day, I think, as a like a match day host, Jimmy, didn't he? I love Jimmy Carter, Neil. I think he was a wonderful, wonderful winger. Something always happened when Jimmy got the ball, didn't it? Mate, Jimmy Carter was your archetypal 1980s, 1990s winger, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, Just had and pace, skill. Speed. Um, he was entertainment. Um, I, I, I put him in the same category as players like Paul Iafil and... Um, you know, players that level, you never knew what would, and Trevor Lee back in the 70s, when they got the ball, something happened. You you sat forwards. Megan um, is a fantastic guy as well. I've interviewed him for Where Are They Now features. Yeah. And such a lovely, lovely guy who came back to the club for a few years, didn't he? I think he's still around the club. I think he still knocks around. I think he does tours and things like that. And, and, and um, you know, the kind of uh, the hosting and that, and that kind of business. Substituted by... Paul Goddard, our most expensive player for many, many years. Um, Paul Goddard, now a football agent. Is he? Yeah. A very successful player, Neil. I mean, you know, we we laugh because he was not successful with Millwall, but I mean, he he came to us with a goal-scoring reputation at Newcastle and West Ham, which didn't help his cause, did it? Mate, I think that he was that kind of player that we needed goals. And if you looked at his record... I think you probably think it was probably on paper. It probably looked quite a good sign, didn't he it? He played for England. He, he was an England international. He was he was um, well rated. We paid a million pounds for him, nearly, which by our standards was unbelievable. Um, well, yeah, he was our club record signing for about thirty years, wasn't he? That's <laughs> yeah. We don't know if it, yeah. What says more? That we didn't spend a million quid for about thirty years, or if, or <laughs> yeah, well, or if the signing of Paul Goddard put us off signing anybody more. Well, expensive. When you when, when you when you put together Goddard in the 1989-1990, then the construction of the new den as it was then, then the Russians after that, I think we were bankrupt here. <laughs> we, we, we had we had moths flying out of the bank account, didn't we, at the end of that period. Yeah, well, I think we're very lucky. I still have a to still be existence. <laughs> I know there's probably a fair few people that are wishing that there wasn't a Millwall <laughs> club too. Then we've got Les Briley, club legend Teddy Sheringham, who needs no introduction. Tony Cascarin and Paul Stevenson, we've we've mentioned already. Great choices of fixtures. Um, I, mean, I was struck. I mean, I had a brief look just before the show started at the. Uh, we just haven't played Cambridge very often. I mean, 2003 is the last fixture. Not very often before that, really, no. It's just... Um... No, 16 games. They only came into the Football League, I think, in, what, 1970, 1971? Yeah, um, back when a new club coming into the league was a novelty. I remember, well, Wigan joining the league and then Wimbledon, obviously, and then, then Cambridge. There was a little flurry of um, interchange. You know, Cambridge came first in... Seven, in, in uh, I think they probably replaced Barrow or somebody. Barrow, yeah, who've actually returned to the league now. But yeah, and uh, but but of course you had to be voted into the league. Then there wasn't you win the no. conference and then you. No. But I spoke to Dave Sullivan yep. about us because obviously we try and go back. Yep. And I saw this spread of fixtures and I thought, oh Christ Almighty, <laughs> this isn't going to be easy. Oh, so I thought maybe. Yeah, well, maybe we played them in a friendly in the 50s. And Dave Sullivan, a guy who knows everything there possibly ever is to know about Millwall Football Club and everything in between. Yeah. uh, Well, Neil, I don't think we played them. And he came came up with some fixture of some friendly a few years ago. And apparently he could only think of one pre-season friendly. Wow. It, it it just goes to show that games against Cambridge are a collector's item. Absolutely. That last game that we played was, I think we were pretty lucky to win it. Didn't they have a guy called Paul Kitson up front? Or uh, Kitson up front, I can't remember. Kitson rings a bell, rings a bell. And he, uh, a gingerhead geezer, ran as ragged. Yeah, yeah. So just looking at the results here, this would be in the two thousand. So it's been two thousand two, three season. We had a an FA Cup uh, away fixture, one all at Cambridge away on the fourth of Jan uh, of two thousand three. 
and then a 3-2 win at home on the 14th of January. That's the last time we played them. Um, Funnily enough, Cambridge actually is the scene of probably the best Millwall hat-trick I've ever seen scored. Well, that's my eye. Funny, funny you say my eye just fallen upon that self-same fixture, which is a classic. Probably a good one to leave the, the subject with because it was a wonderful um, end-of-season away win um, on a wonderful season, one of the golden seasons alongside... I mean, 88 has its own place, but um, the 2001 promotion winning side um, has, a, has a very close, comes a very close second in my mind. That was a night game. Yeah. I, can, yeah, well, I can remember this because it's one of the, yeah. I, think it, I think it was the first night away game I took my son to. That was Cambridge 1, played on the 17th of April, Neil, 2001. Yeah. Cambridge 1, Millwall 5, including Paul Ifill Hattrick, if memory serves. Mate. That hat trick will go down as being probably one of the. I think he scored three absolute screamers. Yeah, three worldies. A wonderful, wonderful player. One of my favourite players. Um, and he, he doesn't get the plaudits he deserves. Paul Eiffel, I think sometimes, but he was a great, great. He was entertainment, like we just said about Jimmy Carter. Paul Eiffel for me was edge uh, on the edge. Whenever he got the ball, and I don't know if he knew sometimes how he did it. Something would happen. It was wonderful I think it was to watch. Running style that put people off. He, he because he because he wasn't graceful, was he? No. He he, he, he. he was effective, but he wasn't 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 elegant to watch. That's no. for sure. And uh, but what a player! And I I will always remember that night. And not only because it, I think it was my son's first midweek away game, Cambridge, uh, but. For two reasons. One was Christoph Kinney was in the seats, right? <laughs> and the police and the police were trying to turf a couple of people out at half time. <laughs> and the look on Christoph Kinney's face was unbelievable. Thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Sorry. <laughs> and then at the end of the game, it's quite a long way back to Cambridge Station. Yeah, yeah, it's out in the middle of nowhere, the Abbey Stadium, isn't it? Yeah. So I can remember that. Well, we got a bus back because obviously we wanted to get this train because my boy had to go to school the next day. Yeah. And uh, there was a load of Millwall just got put onto this bus and the bus driver <laughs> said, oh, I'm not going anywhere near the station. And the police said, do you know this lot are? You are man. <laughs> and we went straight to the bloody station nonstop. And we missed some old dear's stop. <laughs> we, just, we were just telling the driver, look, we just let her off for God's sake. And Wonderful the, the stuff. people, bloody Millwall, I oh, don't like bloody Millwall, some, some <laughs> great unwashed yeah. who, who, who didn't want to go anywhere near the station <laughs> with 30, 40 Millwall fans no. on a single decker bus. Wonderful stuff. I think that's a good way, moment to leave the Millwall uh, Cambridge preview. Caribou Cup will be played on the 25th. It'll be one of the very few fixtures, comparative few, few fixtures between the two clubs. Big thank you, Neil, for joining the show today, mate. It's been it's been a pleasure today. It's been enjoyable. Yeah, no problem at all, mate. It's yeah, it was great just to have JC on and yeah. talk about a few games and uh, or yeah, with a couple of fixtures and then uh, I... Mem- memory lane. That's, uh, I hope people are enjoying this. I've had a couple of messages, people saying that they have enjoyed it. Um, I'm hoping we're getting the kids to listen to our show, Neil. I think you know some, some a bit of depth of uh, you know who are you? Yeah, we're down with the kids. Down um, with the kids. <laughs> Thank you for listening, dear listeners, and you kids. And uh, we'll be back soon with another edition of Nick and Neil's Mill History Hour. I think it might be an hour now. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. A Riverdale Millwall. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.